we should all be concerned. We're talking elder abuse. Hi, welcome to the Ageless Glamour Girls podcast. I'm your host, Marquita Curtis-Haynes. I am also CEO and founder of the lifestyle brand, Ageless Glamour Girls, which targets women 50 plus and helps us out, helps us navigate this fascinating, challenging, enlightening, all of that, this, this ageless or aging journey. I'm so glad you're here. And our guest today is a really, really important, um, we're going to be talking, oh, sorry. Oh my God. I'm sorry. You know what I'm doing? I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm doing? I am testing out this, oh my God, this spot, this, this, um, what is it called? The teleprompter for the first time. Oh, and it's not crazy. working. It's not <laughs> working. It's going way too fast. And I'm just going to go back to my regular thing. And, uh, okay. yes, sorry. Okay. And I'm so sorry about that. Paul. Uh, false start, five, four, three, two, I'm going to memorize it, three, two, one. We should all be concerned. We're talking elder abuse. Hi, welcome to the Ageless Glamour Girls podcast. I'm your host, Marquita Curtis-Haynes. I'm CEO and founder of the lifestyle brand, Ageless Glamour Girls, where we talk all things aging with women 50 plus on this wonderful, fascinating, challenging, liberating, ageless or aging journey. Depends on how you want to look at it. Thank you so much for joining us and everything is up for discussion. Now, our guest today is Dr. Genevieve Waterman. She's Director of Economic and Financial Security at the National Council on Aging. Welcome to the show, Dr. Waterman. Thank you so much for having me. And I just wanna say that I absolutely love the name of your podcast. I think it's so perfect for everything that we're talking about when it comes to aging. Oh, perfect. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I, I so appreciate you. You get us. You get us. <laughs> um, I wanted to say, too, that, um, you know, I want to start off by asking how bad is elder abuse and has it gotten worse over the years? Yeah. So I first, I want to say that when it comes to looking at our data, we typically know that it's underreported. So I don't, you know, we could spout data and talk about the numbers, but I don't think that really gets to the impact of the number of people that are actually facing or being a victim of elder abuse. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that it is getting worse because we know with COVID over the last couple of years, many people have been isolated in their homes and have been more likely to become a victim of elder abuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was reading that too. And I love the mm -hmm. fact that you said, forget about all those numbers. We all know that it's happening. You know, you may know someone or know someone who knows someone who has been or is a victim. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, you know, our population is aging mm -hmm. quickly and that's adding to the problem, right? I mean, because when you think about it, I, there's a shortage of mm -hmm. healthcare, you know, of workers, of um, care, caregiving workers. There's a shortage. I read, I think there's a shortage of nursing home facilities. And then mm -hmm. added to that, more people are trying to age in place at home. And so they also need caregivers. So that all falls into the problem, right? Yes. And then I also want to add one more factor, which is the economy. I think a lot of people are strained by the inflation. They're just trying to make ends meet. Like you said, they cannot, either they cannot afford 
um, professional help to help them age in place and they cannot afford to go to facility. So, you know, we always tend to, to work with or, or um, have our family members and uh, close friends kind of rely on them to help us with our needs. And that kind of helps with the, um, the opportunities for more elder abuse to happen, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think, you know, with um, with the economy and the fact that many people have just been hurting, we know that many older adults are aging into poverty or and more likely to bring on debt. So it just feels like it's we're coming to a point where we're just going to see this um, this climax of many people that are going to be hurting and and being placed into vulnerable positions. Wow. Yeah. As you were talking about that, I was thinking in my head that, you know, I know of situations where people are aging in place, but then there's a house, you know, their, their people are in and out and you just don't, you know, it, yeah. it could be good and it could be also be, um, have a negative side to it. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to the uh, beginning. We, we know that June is elder abuse is national elder abuse awareness month. And that's a crucial, crucial subject. And I know you guys have been so busy this month, but I just want to go back to the beginning for define on a definition. What exactly is elder abuse? Yeah. So when it comes to elder abuse, there are just so many different types of variations. I think many people, when they hear elder abuse, they think of the physical part. So someone mm-hmm. laying a hand on you, you know, there's some sort of physical aspect to the abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to think about the emotional abuse, manipulation that goes behind that. There's also sexual abuse as well. And then we also need to think about finances. So on the financial side, there's financial exploitation. Um, you know, to c- kind of take a step outside of what's happening in your home, there are also scammers that are trying to scam you out of your money as well. We need to protect you. Um, and then the last one that I'll kind of highlight for this podcast is neglect. So a caregiver can be neglectful, but then also the individual, if you're caring for yourself and taking care of yourself, you can be neglectful of yourself. Um, mm. So I think one thing to talk about is that abuse can be from one another person, but you can also be abusing yourself as well. Wow. Cause yeah, cause I've heard stories where, you know, if somebody's in a certain situation and and they're ready to go. They really are. So mm-hmm. they stop eating and they just, just stop. Yeah. Like what is it called? Willful deprivation yes. or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's so sad. Here again, that's why you have to be whew, around people and engage and, you know, mm-hmm. and not be isolated. Now, yes. mm-hmm. um, when I did my research, I, I guess I never really thought about this, but when I saw who the main culprits are in, in these abusive situations, I have to say I was shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, we know and it says abusers are both men and women. Mm-hmm. And in almost 60% of elder abuse and neglect incidents, the perpetrator is a family member. Sad. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that also alludes to the fact that I think many people go into situations where they'll agree to become a caregiver. But then the stress of being a caregiver, the burden, whether it's financially, emotionally, um, and physically, I think it just takes a toll on people. And that's when they can change and become abusive. Um, I know from 
personal lived experiences that caregiving can change the dynamic of a family, whether it's the family much, you know, the larger family or the relationship between the caregiver and the family or the loved one. So um, it's something that I think a lot of people go into with good intentions, but sometimes there's just too many barriers or burdens that may change you or just may take over your thought process and, and allows you to kind of go follow through with those, those terrible thoughts that you may have. That is so true because it's like when you think about it, who's helping that caregiver? Are there mm-hmm. classes out there that are readily available for people, you know, okay, I'm about to care, you know, take care of my husband or my child or my grandparents or my parents or whatever. It's like you're thrown into these situations. And it can and speaking from personal experience, it can be very, very stressful. And I, I, you brought up a good point because I think a lot of people just think that, and we do talk in silos about these problems. We think about Mm -hmm. elder abuse. We think about a caregiver only taking care of an aging relative. We don't talk about the fact that they're probably living in a multi-generational household. There's childcare, Mm -hmm. maybe adult children also need help. Maybe there's someone living with a disability that needs help. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's just so many factors that we need to take into place and that caregiver burnout is a big factor. And that person may not feel like they have the time or have the ability to go and use resources to help them kind of cope and and get the respite that they need from caregiving. Mm-hmm. It's most multifaceted, this, this, mm-hmm. this issue. Um, now, getting back to some of the, you mentioned earlier about the abuse itself, how can you tell if someone is being ab- abusive, you know, like the care, you know, the caregiver? Yeah. So I think it, it obviously it varies by case, but I think if you see a personality change, if they are, maybe they're, you know, they used to be a very frugal person and now they're, they are affording a lavish lifestyle that could always be, that's typically one sign that we see. Oh. Um, if they become different just in itself, maybe they become um, more irritable or just seem a little out of sorts. That's also another sign. So it really, again, a case by case basis, but typically you see that the person is changing themselves. They may be isolating themselves. They may be isolating with that loved one that they're taking care of. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just depends on the, the situation. Okay. And speaking of signs, what are the warning signs of elder abuse? Um, what should we look out for both physically and emotionally? Yeah. So I would say that, um, Emotionally, you'll know if someone's personality has changed, if they become Mm -hmm. more of like a recluse, if they um, just seem very anxious or um, timid or maybe agitated in general. Um, They may be just closing themselves off physically. They might just be in one room and they don't want to leave that room. They may not be taking their medications or eating. They may be losing weight. Those are definitely big signs, physical signs that you may see. Um, When it comes to emotions, I always say what they become um, more withdrawn from their friends and family. They no longer have that network, whether it's in person or virtually, they may be interacting less in general. That's also another big sign. Um, And then financially. So if they're not able to pay their bills, if they're just struggling to make ends meet, whereas they used to be, um, you know, very good with money and may have had a sizable savings or may have, you know, may see that their house is, you know, kind of falling apart a little bit, whereas they used to be really good with keeping up with home maintenance. Mm -hmm. It it always, um, it's always something just to keep a lookout for, make sure that you are just noticing the subtle signs first, because then the bigger signs will eventually come. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and one of the things in doing research and here again from per, from personal experience, mm-hmm. 
that you these things happen. And sometimes you're just like, oh, look at this, it happened. But I'm thinking about, in particular, bed sores, which can happen at home or mm-hmm. in, in a nursing mm-hmm. home. Yes. Yeah. When we think about bed sores, they are typically more likely to be in a nursing home. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't mention it. But um, as a caregiver and, you know, you may have a loved one in a facility, it's always good to keep an eye on them as well. Definitely keep an eye out for the the physical signs that I discussed earlier. But bed sores, um, whether or not they're actually mobile or not, if they want to get out of bed, but they're not getting the assistance to get out of bed and socialize, that is also a red flag as well. Um, Or if they just seem either more sedated when there isn't a medical reason. Um, I always, you know, whether it's they're medically sedated or if they have some form of like a a restraint, that's also uh, not good. Definitely. There are a lot of state laws that that nursing homes are not allowed to use restraints only in certain situations. So Mm -hmm. always definitely keep an eye out. If you can try to be there as often as possible. When I used to have loved ones in a nursing home, we made sure we were there at least every other day Mm -hmm. and we were communicating with the nurses and um, just making sure that you're known as a daily presence as Mm -hmm. much as possible because we, right. Yeah. I always feel bad for the residents that don't have anyone that may visit often because they're more likely to kind of just kind of follow through with what the nurses and um, the aides are kind of guiding them. And they don't really have anyone to advocate for them if there are any bad apples um, within that paid staff. I always, you know, I'm very happy and very grateful that we do have these paid caregivers because they're the ones on the front lines doing the heavy lifting, mm-hmm. uh, taking care of your loved one. Whereas we we can't do that. You know, we have to kind of live our lives, pay our bills. Um, so definitely. You know, definitely grateful for the the frontline staff, but there always are bad apples and it's always good just to keep an eye out. I'm sure there aren't, but it's always good to have an eye out for those people. That's so true. And, and, you know, and part of the vulnerabilities too, for a lot of older women is Mm -hmm. dementia and Alzheimer's. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not there, fully there to report Mm -hmm. this or to know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. other, other things, for example, you know, stroke victims um, can also be, um, mm-hmm. defenseless. So you want to pay attention to especially those um, individuals yeah. as well, right? Yes. And they require a higher level of care. And it's always good to have them if they're at a, a very severe point in Alzheimer's in the later stages, it's always good to have them in a facility for their own safety. But with that comes such specialized care that many frontline workers don't have access to that type of training. Um, and that's just because systemically, we just don't have the funding to get them in those courses. Um, Alzheimer's is such a complicated disease. Mm-hmm. Same with neuro- most neurological conditions that mm-hmm. uh, there's so many new things that we're learning ourselves in the industry, but then we have to then go about figuring out what does that training look like? So there could be a situation where as a caregiver, you may feel like your loved one's not getting the care or they're not addressing something that may be a new, um, a new symptom, uh, a new progression in the disease. So it's always good to be vocal on behalf of your loved ones mm-hmm. because they're in a state where they cannot advocate for themselves. Right, right. A couple of things I want to go back to. You mentioned, you know, visiting. You Mm -hmm. have to, I mean, I just hope and pray everybody has someone to visit them or or something. You have to stay there. You have to be present. You have to be present. 
Yes. Yes. And, and those that do have family members that visit more often are more likely to have better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I do think it's always great, but it's also great just to see your family members. I mean, who doesn't want to see and visit their family members? Yes, exactly. Right, right, right. Those salaries need to go up. The salaries need to go up for, for, because that it's a, it's a hard job. It really is a hard job. Um, Yeah. You know, at home, when you're, when you're taking care of someone you love, you know, it can, it can get a little tricky, but you do it with love. You do everything with love and you pray that when you're getting that, when you're in that situation, someone will be there for you. <laughs> yes. And I think you bring up a really good point is that we do need to look into um, legislation that does improve the, the health, well, overall for the frontline workers, improves their salaries, includes their benefits, including adequate insurance and also time off because they need respite too. Um, And then we also need to think about how do we compensate those informal caregivers? How do you, you know, it takes a lot of money to take care of your loved one. There is a lot of passion that goes into it, a lot of love, um, but you got to pay your bills too. And you need to be, you need to be financially secure yourself. So the amount of money that you're spending on your loved one as a caregiver is money that's being taken away from you when you will eventually need long-term care yourself. That's that's true. Are there laws in place to go after the aggressors? Yes, it's a state-by-state uh, case. So depending on the type of abuse you can go after, whether it's someone, a, a you know, an informal caregiver, a paid caregiver, or a scammer as well, there are mm-hmm. laws that can allow you to report mm-hmm. and then also to, um, to actually... Uh, you know, legally go after that individual. So that way you are um, either either you get to receive the money that you've lost back, or there is some sort of um, opportunity for you to be able to receive that, um, you know, as a victim, receive those protections that you may have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I run, um, I think I mentioned this earlier, the Ageless Cafe, um, our, our private Facebook group, group and I've asked the the, uh, the ladies um, if they had any pressing issues and what someone wrote about um, what to do. And I have that question up. So she says, once we suspect abuse, what is the procedure for helping families? Do you call the police? You know, do you call legal aid? What is the protection? Is there, um, you know, we know that most states have a hotline number that you can call to relate your, mm-hmm. your concerns. But what is the first thing you should do if you suspect uh, abuse at home or in a facility? Yeah. So what I would recommend is it depends on the situation. If someone is in a life or death situation, call 911 and report it immediately. But if they're not and you suspect it, but you do want to report it, there is a 1-800 number. It um I'm just pulling it up now. Uh, it is 1-800-677-1116. And that is an elder care locator that is offered. Um, it's offered throughout the country. And it basically will connect you to your state and then the the, the um, state reporting at that main point of contact. So very important number. Um, but if you, you know, depending on the situation, so let's say you were scammed and, um, you took money out of the bank in that situation also report that, um, as well. So you should be reporting that on, if it's, if you're reporting on behalf of someone, you know, all the, the, the details of the case, go to the bank, hopefully with that person and say, this Mm -hmm. person has been scammed. Here are all the transactions. Let's talk about whether or not we can recoup that money that's lost as well. Um, so 
depending on the situation, depending on the type of abuse, you can report it. Um, I would call that 1-800 number if you have any mm -hmm. questions, because they can directly connect you as well to Adult Protective Services if needed. Okay, that's 800-8, I mean, 677-1116, 800 And we touched on this a little bit already, but what can we do to reduce the risk of elder abuse? How do we protect ourselves and others? That You know, this, this goes in line with speak up, speak up. If you see something, yeah. say something. Yes. Well, that first, obviously, if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. But always, you know, I as many people age, they tend to reduce their their network, whether it's friends, families, um, neighbors. But it's always important. I think that that COVID has taught us that we really do need to maintain those connections. And if you can expand them as you're aging. So there's a, a lot of different community-based organizations that offer resources, anything from our local food banks to our senior centers that offer a variety of programs. You can you know, focus on your fitness. You can focus on uh, different topics, health topics, financial topics. So it's always a good way to get in there and network and start making new friends because I think it's something that you should always have friends and family nearby in case anything happens. We always uh, tell people, you know, regardless of age, if something seems off or suspicious, start talking about it right away because you never know if somebody else is going through that and you can stop the situation at an earlier stage than if it progresses to something that's far much worse in the end. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow. So much information. You know, the financial scam. I was thinking about this earlier. The financial scam alone is worth a, a separate podcast because it's like you read it every day in the news. Almost. It's like somebody's been scammed out of thousands of dollars, especially women, especially older women. Yes. And that's something that NCOA is actually focusing on. We're actually looking at because of COVID, we know that many older adults were kind of thrown into the virtual world, having to make daily transactions. Mm -hmm. And that was an opportunity for scammers to say, hey, here's another area for us to go after, to go after your, your bank accounts online, to go after, you know, how you shop. And we know that many people have transitioned over to like Instacart um, and DoorDash for food just so they could avoid COVID. So that's something that if um, if your viewers are interested and are interested in learning more about how to protect themselves from online scams, they mm -hmm. can go to ncoa.org forward slash scams. Mm -hmm. We've partnered with Zelle most recently. And then we also partnered with a couple of technology uh, solutions, organizations, really and really honed in on the all, you know, everything that encompasses your online safety from how to manage your online passwords, make strong passwords to basically how to navigate digital payment platforms. That's good stuff. Let me tell you, we have to look out for each other because it's real and it's going to get worse because of the aging population. And uh, we just have to do what we can to help each other, help, help the society. And, and something tells me that ageism plays into this, this whole thing too. It's like, we, we deserve to be treated with dignity and respect too, you know? Yeah. And I, I think in, with past generations, ageism had been a very, very difficult problem to kind of navigate. But I love the fact that younger generations are talking about it more. Um, in the aging field itself, we have a new approach to go about aging. And something that I do support in my career is thinking about that you start aging from the day that you're born. So mm. all the decisions that you make 
from your teens, 20s and beyond, that affects you. It's not that you just turn 65 and then all of your problems uh, just arise out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? right? So it's something that I love the fact that we're talking about aging as more of a lifelong process and we're mm-hmm. reducing the, the thought around ageism, workplace discrimination, um, and just the, the larger issues in general. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and there's so much there. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We could talk about this for hours <laughs> as the song goes. I mean, seriously, there, there's so much here. And I hope that you come back to the show in the future. Love to, if you'll have me. Of course, of course I will. We've been talking to Dr. Genevieve Waterman. She's Director of Economic and Financial Security for the National Council on Aging. Do you have anything you want to add that we may have um, left out of this discussion? Oh, um, definitely. I, I just encourage you, please go to ncoa.org forward slash scams. That's always uh, a place where we're going to be having the latest materials on scams. And then we're also going to have a couple of videos that we'll be debuting later this summer. Mm-hmm. So if you can, please take a look, please keep mm-hmm. checking on that, that link and we'll send you all the latest information. And you can also sign up for our, um, our mail list as well. You can get emails with all of the latest and greatest from NCOI. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. And what is that, that uh, website again? Sure. Our, so NCOA's website is ncoa.org. And then if you want to go look at the scam section, it's ncoa.org forward slash scams. Okay, perfect. And I'm going to put that um, in your bio, at the end of your bio, um, so people could be able to access that when they listen to um, the podcast. And um, and they can access that information. And I'll put it also um, other places too, because it's all about getting this information out because we need help and we have to stick together. And this is, this is all of our problem. All of our problems. Yes. And knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Waterman. I so appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right. And we'll see you again on the show. <laughs> All right. You've been listening to, or perhaps watching the Ageless Glamour Girls podcast. I'm Marquita Curtis-Haynes, your host. I'm CEO and founder of the lifestyle brand, Ageless Glamour Girls, which targets women 50 plus to help us navigate this wonderful, challenging, liberating, all of that, all of that um, journey, um, whether you call it the ageless or aging. And uh, if you have a show, if you have an idea for the show, or if you want to be a guest on the show, email us at info at agelessglamourgirls.com. Again, that's info at agelessglamourgirls.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our private Facebook group, The Ageless Cafe. That's on Facebook, The Ageless Cafe. We're also on Uh, other social media platforms on Instagram, uh, YouTube. Again, thank you so much, everyone, for being with us. Here's to healthy aging and joyful living. We'll see you again real soon. That's it for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. 